She said, what's the difference? Well, if we try to get people to act like Jesus, they'll be trying to act like something they don't believe they are. It will just be a performance. This makes the Christian life very difficult. But if we believe like Jesus, then we will know we're beloved children of God, in right standing, wholly accepted, and heard by the Father. It will cause us to believe that power, love, healing, wisdom, and righteousness is something we are, not something we do. When disciples have the same beliefs as Jesus, they will effortlessly live out of their identity. They will no longer need to work for love, rather rather they will work from love. And it was this phrase, this idea of believing like Jesus, that really just struck me. And it's kind of one of those things where you think, you know, it's genius. And you think, why have I never seen that? Or why have I never thought that before? You know, we, the concept of discipleship means many different things to many different people. But I've never actually heard it put in that way before. That it's not just getting people to do what Jesus did, but it's actually, if we want to do what he did, if we want to be like him, we actually need to believe like Jesus believed. And that's true in many areas of life. You know, because our beliefs really shape who we are. And they shape what we do. If you try and just modify your behavior, if you try and just modify kind of the externals and try to do things differently, but actually at your core, you believe something that's contrary to what you're trying to do, it will be almost impossible to do the things that you want to do. Because it's our beliefs that drive our behaviors. And it's our behavior that produces an outcome. If you want a different outcome in your life, if you want to see a different outcome in areas of your life, it's not just a case of behaving differently. It's actually a case of believing differently. You need to look at what am I thinking, what am I believing that's driving that particular behavior. And we see this in so many areas of life. We see the importance of what we believe, even in the natural realm. They say for sports people at the top level of sport, elite sports people, really the thing that separates the good from the great is this. What's going on between their ears is really what they believe about themselves. It's what they believe about their opponents. It's what they believe about what's going to happen when they step onto that pitch or onto that court. You can tell the difference between a good player and a great player by the belief that they have inside them. And you can see this transformation in sports teams and individuals all the time. Someone like Andy Murray is a good example of it, I think. So many years was trying and trying and trying and not achieving his goal. And then he brought alongside him, it was Ivan Lendl. Eventually he brought alongside him a champion, someone who knew what it took to win at the highest level. Someone who actually had had tried, I think he'd been in eight Grand Slam finals before he actually got his breakthrough. And he brought him alongside him. And Andy Murray became a different player. Suddenly he got that breakthrough, winning his first Grand Slam. They actually kind of separated for a bit. And then he brought him back and he started winning again in the same fashion, actually rose to world number one. 
And you actually saw Andy Murray with the notes. He would write things down. I don't know if you may have seen that. You know, in between uh, points, in between games, when the, when the tennis players sit and have a drink and, you know, when your mind can wander and think all sorts of different things, he would kind of just get in the zone and he'd, he'd have these notes. What, what do I need to believe? What do I need to believe in this moment in order to be able to accomplish the thing that I want to accomplish? What we believe is so important, and it's actually what we believe that drives our behavior. It's what we believe that determines, to a large extent, the outcome that we're going to see in our lives. And we see that in Scripture as well, that faith and what we believe was so significant in terms of what people experienced and also how much of heaven they were actually able to receive. One kind of sad story of that is in Matthew 13, which tells the story of Jesus returning to his hometown in Nazareth. And Jesus had been doing miracles all around. He'd been healing the sick, he'd been raising the dead, he'd been casting out demons, he'd turned water into wine. I mean, incredible miracles. And he returns to his hometown And because they knew him, because they recognized him as the carpenter's son, that set off and triggered all these kind of thoughts in their mind. Well, how can this be? I know you. You're just a kid who used to play down the street. How can you be the son of God? And unbelief crowded in. And it actually says, Matthew 13, 58, that Jesus did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. It was their belief and their, what they believed about Jesus that determined what they received and what they were able to experience from him. The tragic thing in that story is that Jesus actually wanted to do more. Jesus wanted to do more. I think it just says he, he just laid his hand on a few people and healed them. That's all he was able to do. We probably didn't, what, what he didn't see was just the mass healings that he saw in so many other places where it says all who came to him were healed. But just contrast that with the story of the lady who was bleeding and who touched the hem of Jesus' garment. That's recorded in Matthew 9. This is a lady who'd been bleeding for 12 years. That's a long time. That's a long time. And in a culture where bleeding, you were treated as unclean, as an outcast, there would have been a huge amount of shame that that lady would have been living with. For many, many years. She would have been ostracized in her community. Imagine the kind of thought patterns and things that had built up in her mind. But it says that she said to herself, If only I touch his cloak, I will be healed. If only I touch him. And it says, Jesus turned to her and said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has healed you. What she believed determined the outcome that she received from Jesus. And there are many stories of that, similar to that, throughout Scripture, where Jesus honors somebody for their faith, and it's actually, it was their faith that enabled them. What they believed enabled them to receive what Jesus was pouring out. And after I read this, I think I was teaching on the Discovering Kingdom Culture course which I've been running recently, and I just could see in my mind's eye like a downpipe of a, like a drain pipe. And like water was kind of coming down 
And I could just see this downpipe, just the, the kind of the bottom part of it was just being lined up. Was being lined up and slotted into place. And it was like Jesus was saying, just as it says here, actually, if we want to see what Jesus saw, if we want to do what Jesus did, we need to believe like Jesus believed. We need to believe what he believed. See, heaven's power is flowing. The river is flowing, as we were talking about earlier, as we were experiencing during the worship. The question is, will we line up with what heaven's doing? Will we line up our expectations and our belief? Will we line up what we're expecting and our faith with what heaven is releasing? Because that's the way that we're going to receive. Another way of thinking about it, I was thinking about the old game Kaplunk. I don't know how many of you have seen that, thinking about Christmas and toys and games. You know, and you've got all the marbles kind of ready to fall. You've got all these kind of straws across the way. And the aim of the game is you pull the straws out, and as you pull the straws out, the balls drop, and whoever gets the most wins. And I just see that. It's a bit like kind of unbelief. The, the straws represent ways of thinking that limit things falling from heaven, that limit what heaven's releasing. And actually, as we remove one by one, as we remove those things in our lives, in our thinking, actually it enables heaven to flow. It enables what God is releasing and God wants to release into our lives. Just as Jesus in Nazareth wanted to do more, it enables us to actually receive what he is releasing. And that's what this process is all about. But it got me thinking, actually. I'd never asked this question before, but I suddenly was found myself asking the question, well, what did Jesus believe? What did Jesus believe? And I began to write down, kind of in different areas, I just began to think about different areas of life. I put some up here. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but what did Jesus believe about himself? What did Jesus believe about himself? One of the things we know is that he knew that he was beloved son. He knew that he was the son of God. He knew that he was loved. That was his starting point. We read that story at his baptism. And the devil actually goes after him in the wilderness, if you are the son of God. And Jesus never actually responds to that. He didn't need to. But he knew he was a son. He knew that he was one with the Father and with the Spirit. He said it many times. He and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He knew that there was that intimate connection. He knew that they were always together now how many times do we sing god would you come god would you come when the reality is he's already here and he's already in us i've started changing the words to songs because i want to sing what i believe i don't believe that i've got to wait for him to come i believe he's already here i believe he's in me all the time and i'm connected Our awareness of him changes, but he's here all the time. I just change things. Just change words you don't agree with. Change words about yourself as well. There's a famous song, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. He saved a wretch like me. I don't believe Jesus 
Well, God ever saw me as a wretch. I don't believe he ever did. I used to. I don't need more. It's one of those straws that I've pulled out. My sin was wretched. But I've always been loved. I've always been valued. I've always been treasured by him. He paid the highest price when I was dead in my sin. Because I was valuable to him. That's one of those straws. It has to come out. I just sing, he saved someone like me. I don't sing a wretch anymore. I, I can't sing it. I don't believe it. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it. What did he believe about sickness? This got me thinking. I, I asked myself the question, what did Jesus think? Put it in a real context. About cancer. What did Jesus believe? What, you could say, what does he believe? But imagine when he was walking the earth. What did he believe about sickness, about cancer? If someone, when someone came up to him sick, it happened many times. What was, what would be going through his head at that moment? Someone who was paralyzed. Someone who was dying. Someone who was dead. What was going through his mind? Was he afraid? Was he thinking, oh, I wonder what's going to happen here? Did he think, Father, do you want to heal this person? I don't think any of those thoughts went through his head. That's not to criticize any of us here. But I believe that when Jesus encountered that, he would have had an assurance and a confidence that he had authority and power over sickness to destroy the works of the enemy. When faced with sickness, when faced with cancer, when faced with paralysis, when faced with blind eyes, I know that as I pray for this person, they will be healed. That was the level that Jesus was operating in. Do you want to believe like Jesus? Do you want to believe like Jesus? He knew that he could ask his father for anything and he would give it to him. I just think amazing. You just think about some of the stories again. Like the feeding of the 5,000 or the feeding of the 4,000. Just imagine what it would have been like to be with Jesus. To hang around with him. I was just thinking about this even during the worship. And I thought imagine if. You know I just turned to Sasha now and said Sasha. Here's a bit of bread. And here's a snack. I want you to feed everybody in the room. And he was serious. He was serious. When Jesus asked his friends, he wasn't pretending. He was serious. Here you go. Feed them. What was Jesus thinking? What, what was he believing in that moment? He was believing. He knew that there was, he had access to an abundance of resources in heaven that would be released when he prayed that would be released as he stepped out in faith. That's what he was believing. Do you want to believe like Jesus? He believed and he knew that the Father was in charge of his life. Even when there were threats and people sought to harm him. He knew that he had power over death. Just read the story of Lazarus. He knew he had power over death. He knew his Father would provide for everything that he needed. He knew that his followers would transform the world. He wasn't afraid to leave. 
He wasn't afraid to leave it in our hands. And he knew that anything is possible. I love some of these verses. Is it Matthew? No, Mark 9, 23. I mean, there's just stuff in here that I just feel we just need to get a hold of. 9.23, Jesus said, everything is possible for him who believes. This is responding to a father whose son was foaming at the mouth, was rolling around under the influence of evil spirits, was convulsing. And the father says, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus replied, if you can, everything is possible for him who believes. Everything is possible. And that's how Jesus lived. Just think about walking on water. I mean, he, he did. He walked on the water. He just stepped out. And he knew what was going to happen. He knew that as he stepped, that he would just walk on water. It's incredible the things that Jesus did. And the great news is we are invited to do the same. We're invited to do the same. In fact, Jesus told us that we would do greater things than these. And I feel the reason that God's highlighting this, highlighted this for me is, it's kind of, he's been speaking to me recently about living unlimited. Living without limits. And I was saying to Emily earlier, I feel like in my thought life and in my heart, in lots of areas of my life, it's like I've come out of, I always get this the wrong way around, but out of the red. You know, in terms of, if you're thinking about a bank account. You know, some areas of my life, I would say previously, I was in deficit. You know, like thinking I was a wretch. Or that God ever thought that about me. I would say I was in deficit. You know, it was a struggle to make anything happen <laughs> when you're thinking things like that. I feel like in so many areas of my life, the straws have been removed. You know, and I've come, I'm kind of break even. You know, it feels, it feels good. I can receive. I can... I can enjoy God. I can experience him. I see some things happen. I'm at kind of break even. It's quite exciting. But it's like God saying, and there's so much more. Do you want to think how I think? Do you want to see the world how I see the world? Do you want to experience the things that Jesus experienced? You know, around in this environment, we see great things happening so, many, so much of the time. We have stories and testimonies of people being healed, people being set free. Only last week we were hearing stories of it was kind of five or six healings that had happened within the space of a week. It was incredible. We're seeing these things happen. But there is so much more. There is so much more. Living with an authority over cancer, living with an authority over blind eyes. Living with an authority over deafness. Breaking into different realms of influence within society. Bringing solutions to problems. Seeing miracles happen in our daily lives. That's what God's inviting us into. That's what Jesus is inviting us into. He's saying, you're here, that's so good. But do you want to see it how I see it? Do you want to come up to my level? And he's inviting us in to believe like Jesus. And the great thing is, this is what Jesus believed. But the same is true of us. The same is true of us. We are beloved children. 
of the king. Always have been and always will be. You were beloved before you were saved. Because he made you. Because he made you. You were worth dying for. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. But you were worth it. You were worth it. Don't let anybody ever tell you that you're not worthy. Because he paid the highest price. You and the Father are one by the Spirit. You're one. You're connected. He never leaves you. He's in you. He's with you always. You don't have to ask him to come because he's already there. You don't have to wait for him to come because he's already there. You may need to awaken your senses. You may need to become aware of him again. You don't need to wait for him to come because he's already with you. He is in you. He cannot be any more with you than that. He is with you always. His power is inside you. And you have a this Holy Spirit inside you testifying with your spirit that you're a child of God. He's telling you, you're my beloved son, my beloved daughter. He's testifying it inside you. And we've been given power and authority over sickness. Jesus told us, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, set people free, do what I've been doing. You have power and authority over sickness. The Father's in charge of your life. We've been given power over death. Jesus told us to raise the dead. We need to believe like Jesus. We need to change what's going on on the inside of us that we can experience these things. He'll provide for us. And the same promise, anything is possible. There's another verse that speaks of that in John 14. John 14 is an amazing passage that just speaks about the Spirit. If you, if you, you know, responded to Sasha's word about being filled with the Spirit... Uh, I would just recommend that you spend time in John 14 and 15 and 16 uh, because they just speak about life in the Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit. If you want to see more of the Holy Spirit, just become more aware of him in your life, just spend time in these passages. But in John 14, 12, it says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. So the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. The same thing is repeated in John 15 in the context of the vine and the branches. I do believe that there is a relational dimension to that that Jesus is talking about. But there's a huge faith dimension to it as well. Ask for anything, and I will give it to you. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. Anything is possible. Jesus, believe that. Do you believe that? So how do we change our beliefs? 
How do we change our beliefs? If you've got kind of a hopeometer, <laughs> we're going to be at all different places on our hopeometer, on our faithometer, from down here to kind of unbelief and just hopeless. It's never going to change. This is how it's going to be. You just don't see any way through. You might be in that place. You might be in a place of faith where you've seen some things and you expect some things. Wherever you're at in terms of your faith levels and your hope levels, what's the next step for you? What's the next step? See, because where God wants to take us is to this place of assurance. Where we can live with assurance in these areas of our life. Where we can live with the assurance that Jesus lived with. So how does that happen? How do we change what's going on on the inside of us? Because this is happening at a core level. I think it is what's going on in our mind. But I think it's also much deeper than that. I think it's our heart, it's our emotions, it's our will, it's, it's every, everything. It's what we think, it's what we feel, it's, it's kind of at that very core level of who we are. How does that change? When you recognize, I love one of the things the Backlands say, it's a great little tool you can use to kind of detect what's going on. I think they talk about it as a kind of warning light on your dashboard. You know, if you're hopeless, any area of your life where you're hopeless is under the influence of a lie. It's another way of saying You need to believe something different. You need to change the way you think in order to see breakthrough in that area of your life. If you carry on believing the same, you'll get the same outcome. What do we need to do? You need to come and see, what what does Jesus believe? What's he believing right now in that situation, about that situation? What would Jesus believe about that situation if he were faced with it, when he were walking the earth. I think this also comes through hanging out with him, spending time with him, being with him, just as we were doing this evening. I love worship. I love being in the presence of God. That spirit-to-spirit connection that we've been talking about, because it's in the spirit, it's by the spirit, that we get transformed. As we look at him, as we see him, as we reflect on him, as we gaze on him, we become like him. And one of the things I love about the disciples is that they belonged before they believed. They belonged way before they believed. Jesus was quite happy hanging out with people whose beliefs were way lower than his. But what happened is as they spent time with him, as they hung out with him, their beliefs began to rise. And they began to see things the way that Jesus saw things. I love it. There's quite a few references in the Gospels where it says, and they didn't get what he was saying. They didn't understand what he was saying. But after he died, then they understood what he was saying. And you just kind of see this kind of picture of revelation unfolding in their lives. And they begin to believe like Jesus believed. When Jesus said to Peter, who am I? You're the son of God. It was like this breakthrough moment. Ah, you see it. You see it. You're seeing me as I see me. You see me as the father sees me. You now know who I am. He was beginning to believe. They belonged before they believe. And we get to do that with Jesus as well. That's the great, great news. We get to belong 
until we believe. It's also true in this environment. We need to create an environment where people can come and belong before they believe. Because as they belong in this environment, as they're around us, as they're around Holy Spirit, as they're around the presence of God, they will believe. They will believe. It's also about hanging out with people whose belief levels are higher than yours. Hang out with Jesus, hang out with his friends. Hang out with people who know him. Hang out with people who believe higher than you do. People who make you nervous. Okay, people who make you nervous. If they don't make you nervous, they're probably not believing much higher than you are right now. Okay, if they don't make you nervous. If you don't think, can you really do that? Is that really possible? Are you crazy? Is that in the Bible? If you're not asking those questions, you're probably not hanging out with people who are higher than you in terms of what they're believing for. Can you imagine hanging around with Jesus? Can you imagine it? Walk on water. Feed all these people. Raise this person from the dead. Are you crazy? What? what? Do you really, you know, the disciples didn't just get it. What's going on here? You, you think I can do that? But they belonged. And they stayed. And they began to believe like Jesus. Through encounters. We encounter him. We experience him. He reveals himself to us. Just think about Peter. When Peter believed that the gospel was only for Jews. Then he has an encounter. And God says, don't call anything unclean that I've made clean. This gospel is for the Gentiles. And then he goes to a Gentile house and the Holy Spirit falls. And he sees. And he believes. This is for everybody. Encounters are so important. Visions. Even trances, Paul talks about. You you see the encounters that they have in the New Testament. They were so important in shaping who they were and their understanding of who God was. And we also need to renew our minds. As I say, I think this is our thinking. I think that's a huge part of it. I, I think it's also way deeper than that. I think our thinking, we know when our mind is renewed because it begins to resonate deep inside us. It begins to resonate and our emotions line up with it as well. It's not just a way of thinking, but actually it's become part of who we are. I love Bill Johnson's line. I'm beginning to understand it more as I get this kind of revelation. You know when your mind is renewed because the impossible seems logical. To Jesus, supernatural was logical. It was going to happen. He wasn't afraid. And he wants to invite us to that place as well. So we renew our minds. Philippians talks about thinking on things that are good, things that are wholesome. Think on those things. Think on those things. Think on those things. Romans 10 says faith comes by hearing. That's one of the reasons why I love making declarations. Speak over yourself. Speak over yourself the truth. Speak over yourself what God's showing you. What do you need to believe in this situation? What is it? What does he believe about this situation? What does he believe about you? What does he believe 
about what you can do. Speak those things over yourself. There's a power in your words. There's a power as you speak. And you know when you're onto something because it kind of, the first time you say it, it kind of grates right here. It kind of think, you kind of think, is that really true? Could that, is that really true? It feels like I'm just saying it. it. Feels like I'm just saying it. They say no pain, no gain. It's a bit like a massage. You know when you have a massage and they hit a knot? You know? They know they've hit something. Ah, oh, I need to spend some time here. I need to spend some time here. I need to get this knot worked out. Because there's this knot that's causing pain and it's, it's not working like it should. And the ma- masseur masseuse, uh, will spend time until that knot is gone. And there's freedom. Ah, oh, I can move. And, and I, I do this sometimes when, when I'm share, t- making declarations. And sometimes just in my time with God, I'll just begin to speak things out. And as I'm speaking out, and some things come really easily. And I'm speaking about, oh, yeah, God, you're blah, blah, blah. You know, the, and stuff's just coming out. And I'm thinking, yeah, I really believe that. And that's really good. And, and then I'll say something. And I'm like, did I, what? Is that real? You know, is that in the Bible? Do, do I really believe that? And I know, ah, oh, I've just hit something. What have I hit? Oh, I've hit unbelief. <laughs> I've hit unbelief. Am I really? Oh, yeah. Oh, I need to spend some time here. God, show me more about this. What, what's, show me another angle on this. And you spend time. And, and as you begin to speak, actually you begin to find that that knot goes away. The knot goes away. And your thinking becomes bigger and freer. And what you're able to receive becomes bigger and freer. If you want a simple process, something I've used, if you hit a knot like that, or you know that you're stuck, or you know that there's an area of your life where you're not seeing breakthrough, or you're feeling hopeless, maybe you've concluded it will never change. Just ask yourself these questions. With Holy Spirit, with Holy Spirit, Get alone with Holy Spirit, become aware of him and ask these questions. What's the lie I'm believing? Holy Spirit, what's the lie that I'm believing? Just allow him to show you. What is it? What is it? You believe that you're wretched. You believe that you're a sinner. You believe that you're horrible. You believe that I'm not good. You believe that I won't come through. You you believe that I don't have the power to solve this. Whatever it is, what's the lie? Step two, you don't always have to do, but sometimes I found it helpful, particularly if it's something deeply ingrained. Father, where did that come from? Why do I believe that lie? You know, experiences can be powerful things. And a lot of what we believe, or some of what we believe, comes out of our experiences. And if you've had a powerful, painful, traumatic experience, it can mark you and create a stronghold in your thinking. Holy Spirit, where did I get that from? Why do I believe that? And just allow Holy Spirit to speak into those situations. Sometimes I've 
even just ask Holy Spirit for his perspective on those situations. Or to show me how he wanted that situation to go. Because things don't always happen the way that God wants them to. And then ask him, what's the truth? What should I be believing? What do you believe about this situation? What do you believe about this? What's the truth? Oh, you're loved. You're my son, my daughter. You're connected with me all the time. I'll never leave you. I love to give good gifts. Ask and you will receive what you're asking for. What is it? What's the truth? What's the truth? Anything is possible. Anything is possible. And when he gives you that truth in exchange... Stay there. Meditate on it. Come back to it. Declare it. Speak it. Until it becomes part of who you are. Until it becomes part of you. Whatever your experience is at the moment, whether, and, and it's probably different in different areas of your life, but whether it's hopeless or whether it's expectant, I believe that there's more. I believe that there's more. And I believe that there's an invitation and God is saying to us, I want you to believe like Jesus believed. That might seem like a, 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 like a it might seem impossible to some of you. It might, you might think, that's just so far from where I'm at. Just ask him what the next step is. Just ask him what the next step is. Just say, what, what do I need to believe in this situation right now? What do I need to believe? For those of you who, you know, feel like you're, you're kind of out of the, the red and put somewhere in the black already, you're kind of, yeah, I've seen some things. I, I'm expectant. Just ask him, okay, what, what now? How do I go higher? Jesus, what do you believe about this situation? Jesus, what do you believe? What did you believe when a sick person came to you? What did you believe when you were faced with something that seemed impossible in the natural? What did you believe? What did you believe? Just engage with him right now, wherever you're at. Just engage with him. I just want you to think about a situation in your life that you need faith for. I just want you to think about a situation in your life that you need faith for. And just, just ask Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do I need to believe? What do I need to believe? Oh, huh. What do I need to believe? And then I just ask him, Holy Spirit... What are you believing about this situation? What are you believing about this situation? Just receive faith. Receive faith.
Take hold of those things in your heart. Take hold of them in your heart. Make a note of them. Take hold of what Holy Spirit said to you. I love where it says of Mary, she treasured these things in her heart. Treasure his words to you. Marinate yourself in them, as Sasha was saying. Thank you, Jesus. There's just grace for breakthrough in the room right now. <laughs> There's grace for breakthrough. You don't need to do anything, just, just receive it. Just receive it. Just release breakthrough in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I release grace to believe at a higher level. Whoa. I release grace to believe at a higher level. Grace to overcome and demolish strongholds. In Jesus' name. Whoa. And grace to believe like Jesus. Whoa. Father, I just, I just, we just receive that as a community. Father, we receive that as a community. We thank you for this invitation. Do you want to believe like Jesus? And we say yes. We say yes. Yeah, and we say, Father, would you take us on that journey? Would you reveal to us? Would you encounter us? Would you transform us? That we would, we would appear to the world as Jesus did. And when faced with the situations Jesus was faced with, we would respond how he responded. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Living unlimited. Living unlimited. Thank you, Jesus. Where anything is possible. If you're facing a hopeless situation right now, I'd just invite you, if you want, to stand. I'd invite you to stand. If you're facing a hopeless situation... We're just going to release. We're just going to release the presence of God into those situations right now. (laughs) We're just going to release them. Just stretch out your hands to these people. You don't need to go up to them. Just stretch out your hands. Just release. Just release breakthrough. Release breakthrough in Jesus' name. Release breakthrough in Jesus' name. We release it. We release it. Thank you, Jesus. We release breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Jesus, you said ask and it will be given you. We ask for breakthrough right now in Jesus' name. We ask for breakthrough in Jesus' name. You said anything is possible. So we say yes. Yes, please. We say yes, please. Yes, please. Do it. (laughs) Do it. Thank you that anything is possible. Wow. We release your miraculous power in this room right now. Thank you, Jesus. Show. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. And we just rebuke the schemes of the enemy. Wow. And we release, we release heaven's will into your life right now. We release heaven's desire for your life into being right now in Jesus' name. Just stay in this place right now. Psalm 23 says, you set a table before me in the face of my enemies. Sure. (laughs) So these lies, these lies 
are the enemies, the anything that is on opposition to what? Anything that is in opposition to the abundance and the love of God is a lie. And, and, and the truth is that they have to watch you right now. There is an abundance of the presence of God being released in this place. That if you have fear that is set to come aside you, and uh-huh. it literally fear has to sit at that table right now in that place of intimacy, and he has, it has to watch you feast. Whoa. It has to watch you feast on the abundance of the love of God. And if hopelessness <laughs> has even tried to lie to you, it has to watch as you feast on the abundance of testimonies. So right now, I feel like there's an invitation just to sit and face Jesus at this table that he sets before you. A table for two (laughs) that has a number of seats around it that have been assigned by heaven for your enemies to come and sit and watch you feast. And Father God is serving you love. Father God is serving you peace. Father God is serving you hope. Father God is serving you joy. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Eric and Laura, we just released breakthrough for you guys right now. Just released breakthrough right now in Jesus' name. And I could just see, I was talking earlier about the Kaplunk game and just taking the straws out. And as Sasha was talking about lies, I just saw Jesus taking lies out of people and accusation and fear. We just, re- we just remove that in Jesus' name. We remove lies and things that have been tormenting you. We just command them to leave now in Jesus' name. And we release peace. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. And we just clear the airwaves that you would hear the voice of heaven. Thank you, Jesus. We just, we just remove the sting of the enemy's lies. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Sure. I say, treasure what he's spoken to you and meditate on it.